Welcome to the Nourishing Africa podcast. Today, we're joined by three dynamic women from Pest-Free Farming, a research expedition set out to discover how local farmers in Eastern Africa control fall armyworm. Miriam Kimani, Njoke Tuo, and Purity Wangui share their insights on women leading development in agriculture through research. So Miriam, tell us a bit about the team Pest-Free Farming. We are the recipient of the Land Rover Bursary for 2018. And uh, the main aim of this expedition is to study how small-scale farmers control fall armyworm, a devastating pest threatening our food security in East Africa. And the expedition team consists of eight women from four countries in Europe and in Africa. And the team is going to drive over 4,000 kilometers to study this through events, through radio shows, interviews, and farm visits. And we are very happy to be part of this podcast today. My name is Miriam Kimani. I'm the event and logistic manager, and I'm joined together with Purity, who is a UX researcher and also has a lot of experience organizing events in Kenya and Njoki Duo, who is an agronomist. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you, ladies, for joining us on this episode of Nourishing Africa podcast. So the first question I have here for you, ladies, is that studies have shown that only 24% of women are involved in agricultural research and development, of which only 14% hold managerial positions. Please share your thoughts on the barriers leading to this poor representation of women in research and development, and how can women stakeholders in the sector break through these barriers? Thank you, Rama, for the question. Uh, my name is Njokido, as Miriam introduced. Um, yeah, one of the reasons as to why I think women um, don't have access or rather are not involved in agricultural research and development is due to um, lack of uh, economic empowerment. Uh, For example, you might notice that most of the decisions made around resources and how they're going to be used is mostly left to men. So that limits women when it comes to equipping themselves to be ready for research opportunities in agriculture. For example, for you to be a researcher in agriculture, you must undergo some form of training, uh, either through college, university, or whatever it is. And if it means you cannot make a decision to empower you to go to that empowering institution, which is a college or a university, then it means at the end of it all, you won't be a researcher in that field. Yeah, sorry. Uh, So if I could go next, uh, what uh, I was thinking was about family obstacles. Uh, And this is a little bit different, uh, and it could be in terms of pregnancy or taking care of family members, right? So women are mostly seen as people who are uh, who are always taking care of family members and being at home and being very responsible when it comes to family issues. And uh, we all understand that research is not a one-day activity to get concrete information that provide quality data to much quantitative data, at least it will take time, for example, weeks mostly to validate assumption. But how we can kind of change that or, or twist that is we as women, we don't want to conform to the typical stereotype for women in uh, research 
or any other uh, or, or anything else for that matter the role of women is always changing women are now more involved in discussions about development educating the young ladies as early as possible is really important uh, to address this case Uh, that's it for me. Yeah, to to follow up uh, on that, I think because uh, women are doing already so much uh, with their families and in their careers, which is okay. I think they also lack access to information about some of these opportunities that are come up in research and in development. And I think that lack of uh, information and access to such such opportunity, we can uh, tackle that through avenues like nourishing africa or the media that are uh, the media and the websites for many organization and uh, reach out to women uh, to take part in such opportunities so what are the expected outcomes for the best free feminine research and do you think that being a women led initiative would make better impact on these outcomes that you are expecting Uh, thank you, Rama. Uh, if I could just respond to the fact that this is a women-led expedition and the impact we are going to have. Uh, it has been documented that women are better caregivers. And of course, that translates to how they interact with members of the society. Therefore, it's only natural that women will receive a better welcome or will have better reception in any community that we visit in Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. So with this being a women-only team, we expect reception to be better, or rather, it's, it's kind of an assumption, yes, but it's just the way it is, <laughs> if I would say so. And uh, with the fact that we are a women-only team who are working to empower farmers by giving them their voices when it comes to all amium and how it's controlled and also empowering them by giving them access to the different control methods that is out there that has yet that is yet to be documented and of course giving them tools that will uh, equip them better to control all amium for example we farm which is the text which is a, an, agri- an agricultural technology company which provides farmers with a platform to query or rather to ask questions. So with this kind of uh, access and empowerment, we expect farmers to radically improve the control of fall, fall amium. Then of course, uh, this trip is going to gather unique insights. You can imagine the number of farmers we're going to talk to, the number of uh, data we are going to get, uh, especially on their own indigenous ways of controlling fall amium. It's going to be amazing. So, of course, we expect to come up with um, unique insights on how this popular pest is controlled. And yet, another question for me is, uh, research in agriculture has evolved from pure scientific to include socioeconomic studies and a whole lot of other fields. And best free farming team embodies a very diverse team having people with unique backgrounds. So what roles do this diverse background play on the overall objectives of the team? How can other women leverage their work in agriculture as well as their science and non-science background to really lead development in agriculture through research? 
Yeah, it's true that research in agriculture has evolved. We no longer do lab researches and experiments. We go to an extension where, to an extent where we engage the people whose research findings is meant for. So the best free farming is a very diverse team. Uh, we have agronomists, we have uh, UX researchers, uh, we have data scientists, we have um, operations people like Miriam, we have uh, accountants, and of course we have people who are just geniuses when it comes to engaging the rural uh, population. This means that we are not only taking the science to the farmers, we are also bringing in the socio-economic aspect or rather the society's uh, input into how fall armyworm is controlled. You can imagine if we spend millions and millions of dollars in a lab researching things where we don't consult farmers only for them to turn them down and say, no, this is not, this is, does not fit into my, um, say, life right now, would be for different reasons. With pest free farmings, we will be able to have real time data of how farmers are interacting with different uh, scientific researches on different scientific findings on how to control polyamorum and quickly give feedback to the researchers in the lab. So you can think of us as the bridge that has been missing, uh, which will be a moving bridge, but we say that will be uh, on motion from Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania. Then with the fact that we have a diversity, each person in the team will bring in their strength from their areas. And the beauty about this is the fact that we are all women who are in one way or the other engaged in agriculture. Yeah, I think I will let my colleagues mention on how our diversity will build up this. Uh, yeah, I think just to emphasize, you can see that our different backgrounds, be it in finance, in operations, and in administration, they are all in a way uh, contributing to this research. And that's like uh, a call to all other women, like uh, no matter your field, uh, you can still make contribution into, into agriculture in, in one way or another through facilitating research, uh, by organizing such expedition, or as Purity mentions, uh, being one of the uh, champions for the information that is given from the field and championing that to be implemented in our policies and in our decisions. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's very true. And what I would say is I'll start by saying quantitative data and qualitative data must go hand in hand. So what we get from the labs uh, is always more of quantitative data, but we do need qualitative data to provide more information to, info to inform the quantitative data provided, uh, in this case, uh, for the case of fall armyworms. Uh, and I love what, um, what we are doing with pest-free farming expedition because we have the target group, the audience in mind, on the kind of farmers we are going to talk to and uh, who we are going to meet uh, and chat about. Um, we also have time, enough time, to ensure every single farmer we meet has enough time to give us all the information on every single step they take when they are dealing with, uh, with pests and how they control it, how they get information 
uh, if it's enough for them to actually control pests. And this can then be put alongside the quantitative data from the labs ready to be implemented. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Periti. Thank you. That is very true, thank you. Uh, I would still want you to speak a bit more about the unifying characteristics that you have found in each individual on the team. I mean, how were you able to identify these characteristics? And of course, there would be some differences given your background, given your personalities, your different um, work and experiences in the past. How did you sort through these differences? What lessons can other women-led research teams learn from your Coercive team. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Sam. And I start by mentioning that the beauty of this uh, expedition is each and every team member is very, very passionate about agriculture and the potential of agriculture. So having people who are very, very passionate about agriculture uh, unified us and was so easy to, for us to form the team. We have also worked together before in the same field, uh, which was a plus. And uh, as, I, as, I said, uh, as I said about the passion, some of us grew up in a rural setup in East Africa, and we know firsthand the impact of agriculture in generating income for families and stuff. So it's something that we were very, very, very passionate about and that, uni that unifies and that continues to unify the team. Yeah, we are very different. We bring different experience and personality in, into the group, but we have also a structured way of uh, doing things uh, for this expedition. We are being led by, by a very amazing uh, expedition lead who has also vast experience in leading other groups for this and we are doing the project management approaches so we know who is in who is in charge of which task at what time and uh, how long are they going to take to actually finish these tasks and that has uh, helped us to work very well as a team and what we are we would like, like to communicate to all the other women-led research teams is it's time for women to support each other I think we all know when women come together, they are able to achieve so much more. And uh, this is what best pre-farming is trying to say, like no matter your background and no matter your personality, we can come together and work in something very impactful. You're absolutely right. Thank you so much for that. I hope other women out there can really learn one or two things from this and use it in their businesses and researches. So I'll, I'll move on to Njoki. So bringing your expertise as an agronomist and a media person to the team. So what role does media really play in agricultural research? Thank you, Rahma. Uh, yeah, uh, media essentially plays three roles. Uh, one is, of course, the most obvious one. Uh, this is the quickest way we can get the public or the masses to understand and to see what we have, or rather to be aware of what we have discovered out there in the field. Or may it be farmer uh, knowledge, farmer indigenous knowledge, may it researched um, methods of controlling for animal. Then two, uh, of course, media is a very powerful way of identifying research topics that is informed by the public. 
Um, most of the times, uh, researchers pick topics based on their hunches or based on their own library desk, desktop um, research rather than talking to the research targeted audience. So with, uh, with uh, the media being the recipient of what the public has to say through different media channels, I think it's best position that media now influences what uh, influences the research or other the topics that are being researched on by the researcher. That way we'll have a win-win situation where researchers will research on uh, issues that are, of course, posing challenges and threats in the society. Then finally, uh, media, again, is the, the leading number one agent of change. Uh, why do I say so? Uh, because most of our habits, or rather most of our societal um, norms, are easily picked up on media, whatever form it is, it be um, TVs, social media, whatever it is, we tend to pick a lot of behavior from what we see and from what we consume as general public. And traditionally, media has been used to disseminate pictures that, uh, of course, the, uh, traditionally, media has been used to disseminate research finding and messages, uh, which is, of course, their basis uh, and success stories, if I may say. But media has, or the media fraternity has a great potential to be an agent of change where we, we are in a, or rather, since I come from a media institute, we are in a unique position where we can be potentially the voice of the public. We can be the voice of the policymakers, the voice of the farmers, the voice of the researchers. If I could just give a simple example or rather for the Kenyan situation, I work at Standard Media and a farm initiative where we have, um, as a company, set aside media assets to if purely communicate on agricultural information. We have um, the goal and aim and vision of being the number one source for accurate agricultural information and of, at the same time, educating and entertaining the farmer. So under standard, which is KTN Farmers TV, we have radio assets, we have print assets, we have digital assets. Again, we have social media. And you can see from the interactions we see with the targeted audience who in this scenario are farmers who are interested in agriculture, how media is an effective change agent. We've seen people starting new agricultural enterprises just because they saw a program on TV. Miriam, so you have a background in logistics and events management, which is actually quite interesting for the team. So how does this align with the research objectives of best performance? Yeah, thank you, Rama. And uh, this is, as you said, something unique uh, when you think about agriculture and you think about uh, logistics. Uh, but as I mentioned in the beginning, the objective of the research is to study how small-scale farmers control fall and warm. And how are we going to do that? We are going to do this by driving over 4,000 kilometers in East Africa to meet farmers. And we are going to meet them in organized events. We're going to do farm visits in some situation, in some cases. We are going to 
also as Joki said, do some inter interviews, could be radio interviews, could be face-to-face -face interview, which uh, my colleague Apiriti is very talented in. And so when you look at these uh, channels and the mechanism of these uh, expeditions, this is where a lot of planning, a lot of coordination, a lot of diary management comes in. And this is now where we utilize the skill in logistics and event management. And on top, on top of that, we have also a team which is traveling to the East Africa to East Africa to take part in the, in the expedition, some of them for the first time. And then we are sponsored by Land Rover and they will be sending the car that we are going to use in this expedition over to East Africa as well. So there are a lot of facets and uh, very small details that need to be really figured out well logistically, could that means insurance, uh, security, uh, the safety of the team on the ground. And this is the area where we have uh, really utilized this uh, skill around uh, planning and coordinating things. Thank you, Miriam. It really goes to show that regardless of your background, you can actually lead innovation in agriculture. You can be involved in research and you can yeah. really, really put yourself out there as a woman. Thank you so much, Miriam, and, and Purity and Jackie. So another question I have now is, we find that lots of grants and awards are channeled more to core scientific research in agriculture. But then your team has been able to obtain the grants for this expedition. So what practical tips do you have for women leading non-scientific research in agriculture? towards acquiring sponsorship. Thank you, Rama. Um, my number one to go to um, tip would be uh, linking your passion with real problems in the society. What the best free farming team did was we were able, from our unique position as women working in agriculture, we were able to see or we had the visibility of uh, an issue in the farming sector rather in the farming society. And the team, uh, the eight of us, were passionate enough in ways of how we can help solve this issue. Our passion um, helped us get this grant. Why do I say our passion? Mostly because there's a lot of um, writing to do. There's a lot of um, endurance that's required when you submit a proposal and you're told, no, we'll do this change this part. So the, the passion that burns in each and every one of us um, helped us land this grant. I, I believe even uh, when the sponsors, which is Land Rover and RGS, that's the Royal Geographical Society, so the passion, especially through our team, really were impressed not to blow our own horn. Then another tip that works we've had numerous time, times is put yourself in the reviewer's shoes. So remember, it's not just you who's applying for this grant. Make your application stand out from the rest. And how do you do that? Put yourself in the reviewer's shoes so that you can see how they're going to look at, um, how they're going to look at um, the applications that will come in. Generally, when you do your, when you put yourself in the reviewer's shoes, it gives you an advantage. It, it places you in an advantageous position because you're able to understand what the reviewer is looking for. 
then asking for help is always wise. And of course, keep time. If the grant has um, a time limit, please observe that. Because of course, that one of the one one way of being um, of keeping the rules is again uh, aligning with the time limit. Thank you, Jackie. That was really insightful. Uh, moving on, you've partnered with WeFarm, a private sector in Kenya, uh, who is involved in agribusiness. So what is, what is the role of the private sector agri-food businesses in supporting agriculture research, especially for women? Uh, to give a little uh, more context uh, on who WeFarm is, uh, it's a platform that brings together the farming community where they can ask questions share knowledge, and also uh, the farmers uh, can access quality inputs. And uh, I would say for the role um, of um, agri-food businesses, private sector agri-food businesses in supporting agricultural research is uh, on, I would say, public-private partnership. Uh, what I believe is that it's proven good practice in mobilizing public and private research towards common objectives. Why do I say this? Uh, for example, Curry uh, and other research institutions have so much insight that have not uh, have not yet reached the end user or the farmer, for example. So if uh, these research institutions can partner with private partnerships to commercialize this and to ensure that these findings reach uh, the farmers on the ground, that would be the best way to, um, to implement the insights that we get and that kind of reaches to the end goal that the, uh, that the initial research had to begin with. So solving that, using that to solve the problem that you had when you're beginning, the whole, the whole, um, the whole project would be the best way to go. Uh, and this also involves um, ensuring it's communicated uh, to every single stakeholder who will be involved in ensuring the the implementation of the insights. Um, to support what Purity has said, uh, I could give just a simple example of um, how the private sector is working to support agricultural research. Uh, recently in Kenya, we've had a main challenge of aflatoxin. I'm sure most of us nowadays avoid certain foods because of the aflatoxin scare, which was carried caused by the media. Um, uh, as a call to that, we've had our research institute, which is Kenya Agricultural and Livestock Research Organization, CALRO, and International Institute for Tropical Agriculture, uh, spend time and resources to discover or rather to experiment on um, biological ways of controlling aflatoxin, which is a fungus in the soil is then found in the food that we eat, then the food chain and the life cycle continues. So what happened is the two research institutions worked together, they pulled their resources, and they were able to discover another fungus that um, essentially, uh, I would say, controls aflatoxin by killing it. And this product was called aflacid. However, without a, a, a private institute or rather a, a, a private company, this safe and natural solution wouldn't be available to the farmers. Why? The mandate of IATA and CALRO is to research. 
they don't have the commercial element that. So what happened, we had um, a company, a private company come in and they essentially commercialized that uh, research finding where they picked up that fungus and they were able to supply it to the Kenyan population. Uh, it's of course quite affordable prices. Now we have a natural and safe solution to aflatoxin in Kenya. That's just an example of how the private can uh, empower agricultural research. Thank you very much for that. That's really insightful. It actually means that for women in agribusinesses or even owners of agribusinesses, they can look towards partnering with the public sector, with the research institute to commercialize innovations and solutions in agriculture. You'd be surprised by the number of innovations that is sitting in the shelves of these um, research institutions that is just waiting for you know, people to come and commercialize. Interesting. But then, for agribusiness owners, for employees of agribusinesses who would like to venture into agriculture research. So, three questions on this, and I would like the entire team to address this. The first is, what practical steps can such people who want to venture into agriculture research, be it science or non-science based, what practical steps can it take to launch this? Two, is what kind of support, and I would direct this to Miriam, what kind of support in terms of um, awards, grants, mentorship are available for women involved in research and agriculture? And lastly, to Njoki, I would um, say, what kinds of organizations are out there that are actively supporting women in agriculture research? And how can the average woman researcher assess these organizations. Um, so let's start with you, Purity. What practical steps can people take? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Shama. So uh, first of all, we would like to understand why research is important, right? So uh, the main purpose of it is to inform action and to prove a theory to contribute in developing knowledge. So uh, what uh, I would kind of uh, advise uh, would be to understand the problem statement, understand the actual problem being faced by the farmers either now or any foreseen issues that may arise in the future. Uh, and uh, after that, you create the research around, uh, around all that to understand the objective you want to meet, get the relevant target users, then understand the timelines. This should be communicated to the relevant stakeholders so that the insights can be actioned. I always insist on uh, uh, on the insights being actioned because if they are not, then they are just insights not being done anything about. So uh, after understanding all this on high level, then they will be they'll have enough confidence in launching the whole research that it uh, it can get as practical uh, it that is as practical as it should get. For me. Thank you, Purity. So um, moving on to when women are actually ready to launch careers or day or part-time job in research and agriculture. So when they have those things in place as ex- established by Purity, so what kind of support is out there for them to use in terms of awards, grants, mentorship, support? What kind of support is available for women in agricultural research? Thanks, Sam. I will mention a, a few examples that <clears throat> I could think about uh, and also encourage like women to 
go out there and look for these opportunities because opportunities are there and very many organizations and donors are looking into are supporting agriculture and its development especially in Africa. I know there's the there's the African Women in Agricultural Research and Development Award and it's uh, it mentors and trains women who are doing research like what we are doing who are doing research uh, in the agriculture more like the women who are in the agricultural science. I know several institution like the Mastercard Foundation many governments now even in East Africa they have a very specific initiative towards supporting women and towards also supporting agriculture and are uh, moving away from the tradition that agriculture is not maybe a good field for the students so there's that awareness that is being created from the government level in ch- changing the minds uh, the mind the mind of the youth and encouraging them to engage more in agriculture. And so there are very many uh, opportunities and I have mentioned a few that I think we as women can uh, take advantage of. Great, thank you. So uh, apart from those um, awards and research institutions, so what other organizations are out there that are actively supporting women um, role in research? Njokiel. Um, Thank you, Rama. Can I just start with Nourishing Africa for giving us this amazing opportunity to uh, express what we are doing. So um, other organizations that are actively supporting women in research, of course, Miriam has mentioned the award as the African, um, African Women in Agricultural Research and Development, which, of course, as she said, supports scientists in the agricultural research sector. Then uh, closer home, we have Association of Women in Agriculture Kenya, as the name says, uh, any woman who's engaged in agriculture, either as a producer, as a researcher, as a supporter of the whole value chain or ecosystem, is free to join so that they can be empowered on how they can be better um, employees or individuals in that whole ecosystem. We have institutions like AGRA having women-specific initiatives that, of course, empower women. We've seen uh, them um, rewarding women in agriculture through their various platforms. Then, of course, we have um, people like FAO uh, who, again, they have different divisions supporting women, have UN women, which sure they do have um, an agricultural sector because anyway, agriculture is a big, big industry which we cannot afford to ignore. Uh, part of the another institution which, or rather organization which I'm part of is Young Professionals in Agricultural Development, which is a global movement uh, that's YPAD. It's a network of young farmers, researchers, scientists, and anyone who's in their agricultural system. So this last question embodies many of the things that you have said so far and um, this myth that is around women supporting each other. So we are in the week of the International Women's Day and the one myth, or is it a fact, is that women do not support women. But here we have eight women coming together 
to conduct research in agriculture towards improving nutrition in East Africa. This is a case of women supporting women. So my question is, how can we achieve more of this, especially for research and development in agriculture? Purity, I'll let you answer this. And of course, if Njoki and Miriam have some more thoughts, please feel free to share. Thank you so much, Rama. Uh, I feel like at the moment we are at the peak or conversation peak on women empowerment. So this is a very uh, good question. Uh, so I'll start with uh, empowered women, empower women, and basically that creates a chain reaction uh, for, uh, and then that creates kind of a beacon of power for development and that then initiates change uh, where women are, I mean, I feel like great things happen. So for research and development in agriculture, would for me first, uh, it's kind of a change my mindset. Uh, so for example, agribusiness is at the moment seen as a very manual job. We need to mentor the youths, uh, for example, uh, lady youths, to show the potential in agribusiness, not only for them, but for the society at large, show them the bigger picture, basically, food security being one of them. Uh, something else is we need to understand that we are all different. Uh, every single woman you meet, a bit in the crowd, uh, for example, probably went to a meetup, you meet another woman, believe that you are all different and you can bring different things on the table. So, for example, the woman sitting next to you could have ideas about the agricultural sector that could change the way we view it and objectively solve issues like food insecurity. So do not hesitate to start a conversation with another person, another woman, and that's how we bring ideas um, that matter on the table, and that's how change starts uh, in terms of food security uh, and development uh, for women. Yeah, that's it. When we started this discussion, Rama, you mentioned that uh, we have only 24% of women involved in agricultural research and development, and that number reduces by 10%, where we have 14% of women holding managerial position. And one of the reasons as to why we have such low percentages um, in agriculture, of course, is the unfair expectations that women have to carry around uh, whenever they're working, not just in agriculture, say, in any field. So, um, uh, in her book, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, when she wrote Benin, she gave a very simple example of a Harvard business where they, they studied uh, a real-life entrepreneur. Uh, and this lady was a go-getter. She was able to, to be a successful, I can't remember whether it was a business lady or a venture capitalist, but either way, she was successful mostly because of her personality traits. This case study was presented to students without the gender element. And then it was presented to students as the person being both male and female. So if A received a name of a man and B received the name of a lady. Um, when they didn't have the gender, or rather the gender of the uh, case study, all of them were rated the same. But the moment we introduced uh, male and female names, the lady, of course, performed poorly, mostly because she was rated as aggressive and all 
the other unlikely, unfavorable terms you may think of. So for me, one of the ways we can empower women, especially these International Women's Day and Month and Week and all that, um, where we can empower women to be to support each other is to intentionally break gender barriers. And how do we do that? Purity said an empowered woman, woman empowers other women. So by intentionally mentoring ladies in our workplaces, intentionally making opportunities available to women is one of the ways we can achieve all this and at least raise up or bump up the percentages of women in agriculture. Yeah, I think we have looked at uh, breaking the gender uh, biasness and uh, mentorship, but I think uh, what comes to my mind again is uh, as women, we have to support uh, women who are in leadership position. I know this does not happen like so often and it's not a common and sometimes, sorry to say, women, we sabotage leaders, uh, women leaders. But I think there's that understanding that we cannot all be leaders at the same time. And as Purity said, someone who is empowered will empower others. So I think it's a call to us on this uh, International Women's Day and Month to also cheer on those who are at a position where they can influence the decision, they can make the decision, they can uh, change their policies at a time. And as we aspire to get the alerts and support to women who are already in leadership position. Thank you, Miriam. Last question. Regardless of the background of women, be it they're in business, they're in farming, how do we bring more women together in Africa to research and development in agriculture, to develop the agriculture and nutrition landscape in Africa? Hi, Rama. I think one of the ways we can involve more women is by, number one, uh, supporting women on the organizations that are either uh, directly engaged in agricultural research and development or indirect, especially in societies where women face severe discrimination, where there have been um, barriers where women cannot either access education, they don't have land rights, they don't have uh, decision-making powers and all that. And even to some extent, they're not allowed to mix with men and maybe engage them on uh, policy-making uh, decision level and all that. Or, and some, in some worst-case scenarios, they are not even allowed to speak up and express their views concerning. So I think for such kind of societies, we should be intentional and encourage women-only-led organizations. Why women-led only? It can be women-led, meaning a mixture of uh, both men and women, and it can be women-only organizations. Why do we put a woman, a woman in either leadership position or in such an organization? Because when we have a woman as a leader, she's more empathetic, and she tends to lead from the heart, if I would say. So uh, while she's informed of the situation, of course, by the data of what's happening, and again, by 
if I could say so, for lack of a better word, the feelings of the entire situation. Women are kind of more sensitive to that. Therefore, it ensures they intentionally engage in all levels, either decision-making, consciously, giving them opportunities to lead, and the likes. So that's an area I think we should be intentional to allow more women in agriculture, research, and either production. Thank you, Njoki. Rama, I think another way that we can involve more women, when we started, we said women are not involved or there's a smaller percentage of the ones that are involved and it's because they lack access to this information. So if we can improve access to information, this could be through networking events, it could be through conferences that are are geared towards uh, promoting agriculture. If we could improve uh, and have many avenues like this where women can plug in and champion uh, these concerns, these uh, opportunities to research, and I think uh, more of them can be involved. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with Miriam and Joke. And what uh, I can add to that is uh, there's so much influence uh, to to I'll say youths uh, when it comes to community and also the environment that they're in, right? So I would say uh, we we'll need to go back to the basics, go back to the roots when our minds are still programming, uh, because I believe so much in in kind of mentorship because it it provides professional socialization so that the mind continues to grow as they grow to become women. So uh, kind of designing strategies that promote uh, the membership and leadership of women where they get membership and um, and do that across platforms. Uh, for expressing women's concern would be a great method for more women to be involved in agricultural research and development. Thank you, Rama. Thank you. It has been a fantastic time with all three ladies today. Thank you, Purity, Njoki, and Miriam for the insights. I am certain that our listeners have learned a lot. To our listeners, we say thank you for joining the Nourishing Africa podcast today. Do join us next time.